0: Hello listeners everywhere, welcome to the Archive of Audio Antiquities, a voyage into the Vault of Wonders on the Wireless. In a moment, Simon Exton and Ken Moss will be here to speak to you.
1: Hello boys and girls, and a very warm welcome to the Archive of Audio Antiquities. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And this month we're listening to A Charles Paris Mystery. It's a doubtful death.
2: To allay stress and anxiety, when I'm in between jobs, I've developed a simple mindfulness routine. Every day I think of three good things scotch, mini papadums, endeavour on catch up. What a time to be alive! It was May and I hadn't heard a peep from my agent since before Christmas when he promised to get me seen for the show I was now watching and definitely wasn't in. When I'm in work, life's peaceful between me and my semi-detached wife-come-landlady. When I'm out of work, the first few weeks are a phony war. No actual fighting, but I carry a gas mask in the event of an air raid. There are rules of engagement and hostilities always begin with a sortie into enemy territory. There are three under the bed. Followed by a skirmish over a neutral zone. Combat finally ensued when Francis invaded the sitting room
1: with an unhelpful, helpful suggestion.
2: What about minicabbing? Uh,
1: this was a four-part radio series on Radio 4 written by Jeremy Front from a story by Simon Brett. It stars Bill Nighy as Charles Paris, and it was originally broadcast in May to June in 2020. Simon, what's the pricey of this thing? I don't
3: particularly want to give a detailed pricey of Mm. it, to be perfectly honest, because we tend not to give detailed prices of the plots of things that are very recent. So I'm going to talk more in general about the Charles Paris series, they're based on a very popular series of books, and Charles is a jobbing actor with a reasonable career, but nothing particularly stellar. He's he's the sort of kind of actor you'd see fourth or fifth credit in on episodes of Morse and things like that lives with his estranged but not divorced wife, and is a bit of a drunken idiot, frankly. There's an awful lot of alcohol-related shenanigans. He gets pissed and does stupid things. He basically blunders his way through mysteries, eventually getting the right solution after he's accused basically everybody in the cast of being the murderer. But he does it in a a really entertaining Bill Nye way. This particular story is about Charles being booked to play a role in a very avant-garde physical theatre production of Hamlet in Oxford, and the actress playing Ophelia is murdered. In terms of working as a murder mystery, and without going into details that would tell you what the plot is, it worked pretty well. It ticked the boxes for a I don't know a rosemary in time or something like that. It it kept me interested without being anything particularly outstanding. And if Charles weren't being played by Bill nighy who is playing Bill nighy as he always does, but it, it's always entertaining.
1: Yeah, I <sighs> this is the first time I've ever heard of Charles Paris. I mean, this is a long running series. It started in 1975, the books. And the adaptation started... Well, there were a couple of adaptations in the 80s, but that was with somebody different playing Charles Paris. And without looking at Wikipedia, I can't remember. So far, they've done 16. This one is... I think it's the first one that they've done that isn't adapted from one of the novels. This is a brand new story.
3: It is and it isn't. No, it's not adapted from one of the novels, but it is adapted from a TV pilot that the author wrote... So it's not specifically adapted for radio. It's just the the TV pilot didn't go anywhere. So they decided to reuse it for the radio.
1: Don't get me wrong, it's four half-hour episodes and I enjoyed it. and It was entertaining. It kept me entertained. I was not sort of yawning, wondering when the thing was going to end. But the investigative side of it only really kicks in sort of towards the tail end of part three. And by that point, you've forgotten that this is sort of a a murder mystery really because the murder takes place or well not yeah the murder takes place quite late in the day so the first couple of episodes are taken up with basically character pieces and set pieces and interactions between the cast of a play as a premise that an actor sort of stumbles into this investigative role it felt to me actually quite um maybe as a one off Fine, but if this is the premise of the whole series, that he sort of stumbles into the investigative role, I'm not sure. I take it you've heard more of these, have you?
3: I've heard all of them. I haven't heard the 1980s ones with Francis Matthews in the lead. And I have heard, but don't have a copy of, the one that was recorded at the
1: Edinburgh Fringe. It wasn't Cast in Order of Disappearance. I can't remember. No, So Much Blood. That's the one, Yes. Didn't they do two one-off plays at the Edinburgh They did. The second one wasn't
3: at the Fringe. It was part of the Saturday Play slot, but it wasn't recorded on location at the Fringe in the way that So Much Blood was. And then all the rest are four-part serials. They're entertaining and they're mm. cutesy and you couldn't listen to them back to back because they do get quite samey. Yeah,
1: because yeah. uh, bear in mind the, the series that's been running since 1975. I mean, all right, if you've got the Wikipedia in front of you, which I don't, there was quite a gap. I think there was a, a novel written in 1998 and then there was nothing until 2013. And I think the 2013 novel was called something like an appropriate... A decent pause. interval. A decent interval, that was it. And there's an interview actually with Simon Brett on the CD, and he goes into the making. Yeah, right at the tail end of disc two, and it's only ten minutes long, but it gives a nice insight into how the the series are recorded. It's more the mechanics of audio drama, so you're sure it was
3: Simon Brett and not the adapter. I thought it was Jeremy. Did the adaptation. It was. I he, I've gone he, the wrong way he around. He talks yes, it was. about how he finds his own voice mm. from what is in the, in the source material and his Charles Paris is a different Charles Paris to the one from the source material.
1: He did. He, he said that they've left out the womanising.
3: Well, they haven't. It oh, isn't in the, the, the more recent ones. The promiscuity then? It's in, <laughs> yeah, well, there is the promiscuity in the earlier ones, absolutely. Oh, is um, there? Is that there? Yeah. But in the more recent ones, he's become a bit more family friendly. Or just older and knackered. <laughs>
1: when you first suggested this a couple of months back, I've got to say, I really do like Bill Knight as an actor. Whatever he's been in, he's always entertained me. And I've, he was actually one of my choices years ago as a Doctor Who. I think he's possibly just a little bit beyond now. But I was quite disappointed with this. For a lot of it, particularly the narration bits, he's sort of phoning it in. Now, unless that's me being disingenuous, but it was almost as if he couldn't be asked. Now, you've heard more of these. Tell me I'm wrong. I can see where you're coming from. I don't agree
3: with you. I think he puts in a good performance. It's a very sort of Lucian laid back performance, but that's because the character is very Lucian laid back. But of all the
1: cast, his character or the way he's portrayed. Is the least animated, and I would have expected, and you know whether that's direction or or Bill Nye, I don't know, or a combination of the two, but it was just quite flat, and that's the first time I've ever thought that about anything Bill Nye's been in. Bear in mind, I'm coming to this fresh, brand new. I've not heard any, so I'm listening with different ears to you. But I was vaguely disappointed with Bill Nye in this. Whereas I
3: I think he is playing Bill Nye as he always plays Bill Nye. I mean, he's a very sort of one supercilious note actor and Mm. rarely goes beyond that. But that one note is always entertaining.
1: Yeah, I was entertained by the whole thing. I mean, there's a good cast in this and they're all nicely identifiable characters. The situations are suitably wanky. I mean, this is it sums up everything about modern theatre that everyone's trying to reinvent everything in the most awful way. And none of it really lands. To the vast, vast majority of people, it's just pretentious wank. And there's only a handful of people who are, as you would to put it, Emperor's New Clones. I did like that aspect of it, that sort of self-mockery about this new production of Hamlet.
3: They do make a point about saying that it's fantastic reviews and the saviour of modern theatre, but actually doesn't make any money and has to be supported by his wife.
1: hmm Got to make a comment just while it's fresh in my mind. Did the producer's name not leap out to you? From a Doctor Who perspective, Sally (laughs) Ahivens. For anybody that's not a Doctor Who fan, that will be meaningless. But this was another, a a rogue Time Lord from Gallifrey back in Tom Baker's era.
3: I I really do think that's stretching. (laughs) But yes, I, I see where you're coming from. And
1: actually, no, it hadn't. Every episode, that was a quiet titter as the end credits finished. So to broadening, the review of this, really. There's not a right lot to say it's four half hours of... It's sort of the radio version of a British rom-com, really. Richard Curtis, it's got that whole feel to it.
3: It does, with a cosy murder mystery wrapped around it. Mm. So I think of it more as a sort of rosemary and thyme, that kind of thing.
1: There's no major meat on the bones. You're not going to be on the edge of your seat and the well, murder. Yeah. It,
3: it's it's that kind of family viewing for a Thursday evening. Nothing so exciting that's gonna set your world on fire, but actually you're not gonna be upset or disappointed by any of it.
1: No, I mean this is not Agatha Christie. This is not Poirot gathering all the suspects. There's one main suspect for the vast majority of it, and then two rabbits are pulled out of the hat right at the end through what it has to be said are a couple of leaps of logic but I was listening to this more as a, a radio piece than a murder mystery and, yeah. and w-
3: if you want a clever, insightful murder mystery, this isn't it but if you want a Bond lesson for a couple of hours while you're driving along that is going to keep you entertained that is this Shall we rate it in earworms? This is what- What do you think? I enjoy it. As with the whole series, I find them entertaining. It's the sort of radio that you can listen to while you're busy doing something else. Mm, But it's entertaining radio that you can listen to while you're doing something else. I'm going to give it a seven.
1: I was going to give it a six, but actually, having said that, with you saying it's the sort of radio that you can do other things in the background... Three of the episodes I was in the kitchen cooking and prepping and cleaning, and it was lovely background listening. So, I'm yes, I'm going to revise mine up to a seven. The other thing I would say, which I didn't comment on, there's some very clever little analogies, and, and they were just peppered throughout the thing, and it's witty dialogue. Even though the story, you couldn't really hang a hat on. It's, there were just little flashes where every now and again you think, ooh, I'll keep that phrase and use it in conversation.
3: His conversations with his agent are an absolute joy.
1: Yes, his agent played by John Glover, Maurice. Oh, good one at last, Ed.
2: I see Nosferatu continues to stalk this earthly realm.
0: I never suck blood before lunch. Certainly not blood The 60% proof.
2: Yet the living dead still deducts 10% of any blood he does drink.
0: Nothing dead about me, Bubbler. I've never felt more alive. Full of the joys of spring, skipping through Soho Square at Sparrow's Fart, there was a distinct whiff of verdant renewal in the air.
2: Verdant or vermin?
0: Sap was palpably rising in Old Compton Street. Ugh,
2: too much info, but I'm happy for you.
0: No, Charles, I'm happy for you. Why? Why, he asks. A job is why. Get dressed... Come into town and I'll give you the lowdown.
2: How do you know I'm not dressed?
0: This is a FaceTime call and your Jason King kimonos all agape. What? It's like giving an iPhone to a chimp. Oh, Stop waving it around.
2: I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to turn it off.
0: I'm not talking about the camera and you've just taken a pic you might want to delete. Uh, oh. Come to the office and I'll buy you a revivifying yet moderately priced lunch. I
2: need to check my diary.
0: <laughs> Don't kidder, kidder. Be here for one, hon. I hope you like broth. Broth? It's a thing. Morris is all about the broth.
3: They're kind of the high point of the whole drama.
0: Yeah,
1: I'll give you that. I'll I'll agree with that.
3: And there's a plot line about his wife that he shares a house with. She bought him out of what was the family home. It's her house, but he happens to stay in the spare room. And she's about to go on a... A gap year. gap year. And that's what I was going to say. I was going to say... <laughs> the, this is why, when we were talking about the Windsors and the very exaggerated royal family pronunciations and constitutional crass, um, <laughs>
1: "fufte Fofter
3: and then Gapya just fit in with that perfectly.
2: I've been doing a lot of thinking and talking to friends, and I'm going to travel. You mean you're going on holiday? I'm going to travel. There's a difference. The only difference is a smug sense of self-righteousness and the length of time you're away. Well. I'm going for a year. Aren't you a bit old for a gap year? How dare you? How dare me? You let me believe you were dying. I'm not responsible for your lurid imaginings. As you're not about to drop off the twig, I can start mocking your gap year. Stop saying it like that. Are you backpacking with your bestie? Shut up. You're going to get like a tattoo in like Thailand?
1: Fingers and ears, not listening. You can't do a gap year without a tat, Francis. Those little interactions, just every now and again, just peppered through it, those were the flashes that I really did enjoy.
3: Yeah, and they, the story's not brilliant, it's not terrible either, but it it's really the characters, and particularly the, the three regular characters, Charles and Francis and Morris. Earlier on in the series, there were two other regular characters, which is Charles and Francis's daughter, and her yuppie husband but they've kind of been written out and I don't know whether they were written out in the books and that followed through or whether it was just felt they weren't necessary in the radio but they've not been in for a good few don't go into this expecting Agatha Christie but if you're not expecting that you will be entertained by what there is there so it is a positive recommendation but don't expect the most brilliant piece
1: of radio you've ever heard So, it's time to recommend something else to listen to. It's Podcast of the Week. What have you got for us this time?
3: Well, going to recommend a podcast from Long Cat Media. Mm-hmm. And we've recommended one of theirs previously. We recommended Mockery Manor. And this time we're going to recommend Madam Magenta. <laughs> Madame Magenta is a fortune teller and at the start of the the series she's a bit of a con artist and there are things that she will do like get a bottle fill it with water and say that it's some mystically significant elixir and flog stuff like that, gets Aldi candles and will decorate them up with a few bits of twigs and sell them for three times the price. But she's a very, very entertaining character and the structure of both of the series is that it is her reading her audiobook, but it's a fairly unfiltered reading. So she's telling the story and dropping the fourth wall all the time and talking directly to the audience. And then when you get to the second series, they alternate episodes of the plot, which is Madame Magenta and the Arcati Killer with episodes called Madame Magenta Helps Her Tragic Fans, where she uses bibliomancy, so getting readings from books to help with problems that are written in. It is incredibly entertaining. She's a one, wonderfully scripted and wonderfully acted character. I mean, for any of you that have heard Mockery Manor, the scripting and the acting won't be any surprise at all because they're both superbly done, but it's absolutely hilarious. Splink. Very definitely bingeable. You've heard some, haven't you?
1: Oh Yes, I have. Long cat, uh, you introduced me a few months back, and I've listened to certainly the Mockery Manor stuff. It's very, very well produced. The sound quality and the acting are superb. This is why I really love indie podcasts over the, in air quotes, professional ones. And if you look at the podcast rankings, the professional ones dominate the top 30. And it does piss me off because podcasting is sort of the amateur way into broadcasting. So to have that hijacked and the professionals do it as well and they eclipse people like this, it does piss me off.
3: Yeah, I I, I completely agree with you. And realistically, how many more methods do we need for be able to experience Rob Brydon chatting to his mates?
1: Don't get me wrong, they're good. There's some absolute gems come out of podcasting. The the Ricky Gervais ones, which HBO picked up and turned into sort of Hanna-Barbera-esque cartoons. They were wonderful, but that was well over sort of 10, 15 years ago. It introduced a lot of people to podcasts in a way that they had been sort of sidelined before, Now the celebrities are using it, as you say, as another, yet another channel to promote themselves. These are big names; they don't need another channel.
3: Yeah, and even the ones where you've got an indie podcast that has become a big deal. So there are three that that leap to mind, which is um, "Help, I Sexed My Boss." Uh, My dad wrote a porno, and again, a non-gay. But if you look at all of those, they're professional broadcasters who have gone into this, um, and they may have set up their own podcast, but this was their job beforehand. Um, I mean, gay and a non-gay, they're two radio hosts, so it's an extension of that. It's a fine
1: line. Where do you draw the line? Because uh, there are people out there that want a podcast, and they've never picked up a microphone in their life, and they do it, and... It's terrible, but there's others that do it, and they take it and run with it, and they make absolutely wonderful stuff. I mean, we've both got our favourites, and these are complete amateurs who've just got a load of kit and thought, yeah, we'll sit and chat shit with my mates, and it works. Killer Rabbit boys, the Peggy Mount boys, those are not professionals. They're just doing it to a very, very good standard.
3: Yeah, and there is some fantastic podcast drama as well, talking about long-cap media. There is one called Archive 81, which works with the medium of sound in an
1: absolutely phenomenal Mm. way. One that a little bit off-topic there, but uh, no, there's some really good... Instead of clicking on your your Rob Brydens and whoever's in the top ten this week, search out an indie podcast, something that sings to you the subject matter, and give them a listen instead. But on that note, we shall sign off. I think we've preached enough on that particular topic. Next month, it's our Christmas special, and we'll be listening to Doctor Who, The Chimes of Midnight. Oh, how fantastic. An absolute favourite. So for those that don't know it, you're in for a bit of a treat. For those that do know it, you're in for a treat and all. But until then, thank you for listening, everyone. We'll be back next month. Bye now
0: archive of audio antiquities featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss and the announcer was Jenny at Blue Box 99. All featured soundtracks are the property of their respective producers and no infringement of copyright is intended. Title music was by Edward White and the programme was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.